Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to Friday morning. I want to say a thank you to Keith Quinn and uh, Jason Harrington last week for standing in mind for me for just a great program they did. I um, had an airplane that I had to catch and uh, enjoyed a couple of nice weekends. Well, nice weekend, not a couple couple of days, a nice weekend with my wife and uh be back uh, next week also. We've got uh, Bob Dahl next week. And I tell you, we've had some growing confidence uh, about something that's going on with the global economy. It seems like there's some consumer mindset that says, hey, things looking good. The primary forces behind this rally that we're dealing with, four weeks in a row, the S&P index has climbed uh, about 6 percent 60 basis points it's notched up for four weeks in a row and i think what we're looking at here is kind of a better than expected corporate earnings most everybody was thinking corporate earnings were still in the recession that we've had for a couple of you know months now almost uh almost a year and a half and it seems to be pulling out of that stability in the banking sector and a growing sense that equities appear more attractive than bonds giving and we've got low treasury yields, and uh, we've been around for that. I mean, we've been talking for months to turn into years that I don't know may turn into a decade. I don't know about uh, interest rates are going to go up, but that has not. I can remember literally in '09 telling everybody, well, actually before that a little bit, go ahead and refinance your home. You'll never see rates like this again. But a year and a half later, of course, uh, well, better go ahead and refinance your home. Yeah, you're not going to see rates like this again. And a couple of months later, oh, better go ahead and refinance. We've said that now almost for, uh, you know, literally we're looking at eight years. And again, go refinance your home. We're not going to see rates like this again. It's becoming a redundant. But it, it, there's some indications that the feds uh, are gaining a little bit of confidence that maybe we're going to see some movement and interest rates may go up a little bit. The main risk to equities, as we think about it, is the possible spike in these bond yields. And despite on a proving economy and growing prospects for some additional rate hikes that we've been talking about, we think that that event is likely before the end of the year. Investors appear confident in the global economy. That's good. And the low bond yields and rising interest rates, we'll see. That's going to that's gonna take a toll. By the way, just for your interest, if you hadn't thought about it, if I ask you the trivial question of the day, what is the worst trading or downturn, you might say? What's the worst performing month by historical data now, historical that would go back for quite some time? If you go back to 1991, the stock index that has suffered the average loss of 60 basis points you think about this for the last 25 years has been you ready if i had a drum roll i'd do that uh, you know but that's eh, not that big a deal here it is just it it's august and so we're coming into august i think it's back to school that uh, you know, people get focused on that but it is the worst part of the thing so april has always been our best we went through april and that's good ah oh, there's my drum roll there you go john <laughs> 
better late than never. John knows what he's doing. But, uh, you know, August has always been kind of bad. We'll have to see. It's not a, you know, I can't predict that. Nobody's predicting it. We don't know. But the reality is I think there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of optimism, and that's kind of what we're looking for. Next week I'll be talking to Bob Dahl, and uh, he's going to give us some insight to what he sees for the fall, talk a little bit about the presidential election. So you'll definitely want to join that program that will be coming up. I've got a program for you today. I've got two people that are experts in their area. Stanton Brown's going to talk with us about long-term care insurance, and we've got um, you know a lady that has done a great job with us before, Terry Hurt. She's going to talk about a subject that's dear to her heart, power of the purse. You do not want to miss it. You're going to find out a lot about what ladies, the caregivers at home, the people that really run the house, some of their responsibilities. She's up first with us. Terry Hurt, we're going to talk about the power of the purse, and then Stanton Brown. All three of us are going to talk about literally long-term care, a subject we've been debating all morning and having some great conversation. You do not want to make that change miss. So stay with us. When we come back, Terry Hurt, power of the purse, Stan Brown, and we're going to talk about long-term care insurance. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement, or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results. Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, again, I was telling you before the break, Terry Hurts with us today. Terry, welcome to the program. You're one of our best guests. You do a great job for us, lady. Thank you so much, Jim. I'm glad to be here. You know, one of the things when you talk about the power of the purse, I mean, we could go in a lot of different directions with that, thoughts and, and ideas, but... For our listening audience, those that have got their pencil in hand, got their notebook ready to take notes from your program, what does it mean? What's the definition of the power of the purse? Well, the definition is a historical definition that has evolved over time. Uh, It's an individual or organization that controls the funding of another. And in many homes, that individual is the female. You know, it is because, you know, I've been counseling couples for years just on the biblical principles of being good stewards. And what I used to say, this is a long time ago now, this is when we first started doing the counseling, I, I almost in every case we would go through, we would go through budgeting and college planning, estate planning, all the aspects of a financial plan for someone. We would find out that they were struggling sometimes just in the budgeting side. And I, I would talk to the male, and you know, because he would say, "Well, I'm in charge of the home. I'm the guy. You know, I'm the." And, and we didn't argue with that because, hey, we thought that was a biblical principle. He's the authority in the home, so that sounded good to us. But we discovered that sometimes he couldn't add two plus two. I mean, it just wasn't his gift. He was excellent in maybe thoughts and and, and visions, and, and was a great leader. But his wife, you know, was unbelievably good at the details of a budget, the the checkbook balance to the penny when she was doing it. To him, he hadn't balanced a checkbook in a year. Didn't know what that meant, balance a checkbook. So we begin to shift that because it wasn't that he was in control or losing control. He was beginning to understand he had to delegate it to the person who was the better equipped, better skilled, better talent. 
And it was the lady. Do you see that in your practice that sometimes that's the case in which we're talking about? Absolutely. When when clients come in and we're talking about uh, the money that's coming in versus the money that's going out, it's primarily the wife that really can provide the details. Of the managing the money. That's of managing the money at the household. So the power of the purse, it's not only the funding of it, but it's also the stewardship of it, the managing uh, management of what's actually coming in. Yes. So in your case, talk a bit to me about women today have made a dramatic change. In the last 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, I mean, since that time I was talking about discussing, you know, by the way, just as a thought, I found this out in working with, with couples. He, he didn't, he, if he did the budget, he had a tendency to control with the budget. She did not. You know what I'm saying? It was more or less she wanted the working, the relationship, the working together. He bought the big items, the bass boat, the golf clubs, those things, and he would accuse her of being the spendthrift, and she was buying stuff for the home. It was it was a great eye-opener, and if they did work together and that became this issue of communication, it solved a lot of problems. Right. Yeah, so let's talk about that. What is Women are more powerful today in work, so give me some statistics. Well, uh, women are definitely more powerful than than they think, and statistically speaking, women have excelled in comparison to men in the labor force, professional positions, and getting a college education. Uh, women make up nearly half of the U.S. labor force, and women have more than half of the U.S. management and professional jobs in this country, uh, and they actually hold 4.3 percent more degrees. Than men do. Now, most all of this is coming from the Department of Labor? Department of Labor Statistics. Yeah, so you're talking about one of them, you said women make up nearly half the U.S. labor. There's 57.2% or more women working today. You know, if you go back to my parents, that was just not the case. I mean, this is back in the 40s and the 50s. The male came home from World War II. The, uh, you know, she left that employment to raise a family. The, she was a stay-at-home mom in the case today, but you don't see that as much as you used to. Used to. In fact, you don't see that, as you said, 57.2% now of the women are in the workplace. There's, you know, they have now over, they're over the men in the workplace. We actually have guys that are saying, hey, I'm as much as of a stay-at-home dad as, uh, as, the, as, you know, maybe moms were years ago. And it's an effective unit. It's different. That doesn't mean it's, you know, bad. It just says it's different than, say, what my parents did. Oh, it is definitely different. And and there is a sharing of responsibilities, including finances. Yeah, including finances. Great point. What are the challenges? that This is, creates a lot of challenges. I mean, when you're working with a client and you're sitting down with a client and you've got a couple sitting there, what are you hearing? What are you sensing that are the challenges from them? Well, women tend to be more conservative when it comes to investing. I agree with that. 100%. And I believe that comes from uh, them having to stick to a budget and work within a limited budget. And so they really know the value of a dollar. And so trying to make that stretch. Okay, Stanton, you're going to be, I'm going to give you a chance to, cause you and I are going to rebut that a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, did I get a sense maybe she was talking to us maybe with that or something? A little or, bit. A little bit. A little, little tap there. Let <laughs> me introduce Stanton Brown. Stanton Brown's also one of our advisors in the office. He's going to be with us later on talking about uh, long-term care. But I just needed a little extra mail there for me. <laughs> but go ahead, Terry. Go ahead. I, I like this way you laid it out there. Challenges and, you know, a little more, you know, okay, I got it. Keep going. So, you know, <laughs> sticking to a budget, they tend to want to make the dollar stretch. And so they're more conservative 
in their investment styles. They want to protect their principal, their income, and are less likely to take risks. Uh, and in today's environment, where bonds aren't really yielding right. much, you know, you have to have more equity in your portfolio to really increase your yields. Yeah. So, you sense how do you handle that? I mean, I got I've got thinking of a couple in, in in my practice where, you know, at first you could tell it was they were there as a couple. And I begin to notice that they were really not going to deal finances as a couple. He was going to be in charge. And I we've had to work very hard to make it a couple because he and it. And so it's during the conversation. And I'm asking you now as a planner, because you both do great jobs with your clients. How do you engage that lady who is just doing a great job managing, as you say, but the husband, as you get that sense, he is a little too much of a dominant control. He's bringing some money in and bringing the money in in a lot of cases. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. How do you manage that? How do you keep that? Because we must keep both engaged or it becomes his plan or in vice versa. If she's the one, it's her plan. And yet they're a couple. How do you do that? That's hard. Well, you know, you engage them in a conversation. You start to learn what's important to each of them individually, start to draw it out. And what I start to do is paint a picture of how all of that information becomes important to the long-term financial plan. And when you talk about that information, I know I tell them a lot that I have to explain to them that in 90% of the cases, she is ultimately my client. Well, she will ultimately be her client. Because he will not be there. Right. And you have to think that away. You have to plan that away. It's why exclude her and then all of a sudden have to reintroduce ourselves to her when he, you know, we, we attend the funeral. Everybody's sad. And two weeks later, we're trying to sit down with her. And she's going, guys, I wasn't a part of this. Help me. What? If? And that's not good. And so we work hard in our practice to make sure both are involved. Well, that's a great point. And often when I bring couples in, when there's, a male that seems to be more dominant in the decision-making, uh, when you just pointedly ask him the question, what's going to happen to your wife when you're not here? Mm, that's a big question. And he says, I hadn't really given that much thought. Yeah, and you would think that wouldn't be the case. By the way, if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Terry Hurt and Stanton Brown. Terry is uh, talking about the power of the purse. If you'd like to ask Terry a question, the telephone number is 757-5757 here in Memphis. And, uh, just uh, give her a call. I mean, this lady knows what she's doing, does a great job, and uh, faces these challenges when she's talking about when she's working with couples. Men still earn more money, about uh, 18%, according to DOL, about 18% more money. So so maybe that's part of the control factor there. That's going to change. That's changing rapidly. We see that already in a lot of cases. and uh, But it is that issue. So that's what we have to keep thinking about. And I think you're still saying that... Uh, Women uh, live longer. We talked about that. They are the ultimate clients. And uh, so let me ask you this. What's the what, in your opinion, as you work through this, do you believe that are women more you said more cautious? So I'm going to I know you already believe that. But uh, help me with that. Help me. Why? Help me. Why you see that? What are you, are you saying? They're 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 more attuned to budgeting. They're, they're disciplined with their saving. They, they appreciate the dollar. They have that mindset. But you, you know you do this. Why do they behave cautiously? You, you're a lady. Uh, you have four children. Uh, you've got a wonderful husband. Uh, 
I, I'll tell him. I hope he's listening today. I know he's at home with the four. Your whole family's in from school. You got Alicia, Madeline, Jacqueline, and Julia, and they're all here. And uh, we ripped you out of that little nest this morning to get you on the program. That's a full-time job within itself. So you do have a great helpmate there with Jay. So tell me, what's going on there? Well, what goes on is that women tend to really focus more on their families, their children, maintaining the home. And so many years go by, and they haven't really paid attention to anything but budgeting in the family, you know, keeping a household budget, grocery shopping, et cetera. They've often relied on their uh, partners to really handle the financial matters. And, and it's not because they don't have the savvy or the education or the smarts to do it. They just haven't had the time to really invest in learning more about it. I mean, four daughters is a full-time job. Four daughters is more than a full-time <laughs> job. <laughs> Jay, you know, I mean, Jay, Jay, you know, if he's listening, Jay, you got a great lady here that does a wonderful job. I mean, he's he's working full-time and doing all the things. That, so you do, when you're doing all that, you do kind of rely on the spouse. You, you don't have a choice, do you? You don't have a choice. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's a time constraint. Uh, you know, you're pulled at every end, and mom's on 24-7. Yeah, all the time. So with that in mind, you've been there. You know that. What do you say to that couple sitting across? And when you focus on her, how do you encourage her to get more involved? Well, you know, I take my own personal experience. Yeah. And I say, you know, my husband handled the financial matters. I was involved in the meetings. We did the planning together. But I sort of half paid attention early on because I relied and trusted him. Babies. And I was, you know, raising a family. So my advice to them is get involved and get engaged as early as possible. Understand everything that's going on. We all have a story where someone passed away prematurely and now the spouse is left to pick up the pieces, and has no idea how to get started. Well, that is so critical when we work with clients. Stanton, I know you work from a single perspective, and so how do you take that wisdom of her experience, and do you talk with people like that? How do you, because you have a lot of couple, young couples that are coming into the office where at this point in the young couple, maybe they are more involved, but once they start having their families, you can see them drifting away. Yeah. How do you encourage that? Definitely early on, I want to encourage that teamwork approach. And then especially before the kids come, they're very much a team approach together with their finances. They're both bringing in income, and they need to make the decisions together because they're just now putting them together. So at this point, is more so... I see a lot. Sometimes it's the, the woman in the relationship who is saying, we need to go in and meet. We need to sit down and take care well, of this. We need point. to get structure. That's a great point. So maybe we should say to our listening audience that as they start, a young couple with Stanton, work at it, participate. You know, and again, you're right. A lot of times I do see it where it's the, the, the wife that's really engaged here. But don't lose that when kids come along and right. career changes are made. and th Stay focused. And what you're doing then, Terry, is engaging them back as a unit. I talk about transparency a lot. I mean, don't hide anything. And if you don't know the question, you don't ever, there's no dumb question with us. I mean, a lot of times people will come in and say, ah, I just hate to ask that question because I know it's a dumb. No, there's well, no women, dumb question. Women, women that's what I'm saying. They don't want to look like they're not 
engaged or not enough. Not, and I don't want to say intelligent because I'm, man, raising four kids takes, you know, an enormous amount of psychology, math. But you have to do a lot of stuff. But the reality is they feel intimidated. How do we control that? How do we keep that from being a part of it? Well, you know, often in the meetings, uh, you can pick up on the body language, uh, the intensity of the meeting. And I really like to engage and speak directly to the female. Mm. And I always want to make sure that as we discuss and introduce new concepts, do you have any questions? Do you understand? Tell me what you think about what I just said. You're looking looking for body language. You're paying attention. So if an advisor is not looking for body language, I'm talking to people that maybe they need somebody that's doing it. Terry Hurt, 75757. She's looking for body language. She knows what she's wanting because she's been there. Here's the problem. You have that somebody that's sitting there that's getting that intimidation factor. And by the way, I'm going to say this. You know women. I know some women that sometimes intimidate Mm -hmm. because of for whatever reason. But that's not your that's not your planning style. Because you know it's just not the best way for the client. Right. Now, now sometimes, you know, I have to tone the guy down a little bit. <laughs> By the way, for us guys in the office, <laughs> let's make sure that the listening audience, Terry has no problem. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. You're exactly right, though, don't you? You have to kind of, it is. You do have to kind of say, hey, wait a second, let's make sure. And that she is giving the opportunity because he might even have a tendency to... Put his thumb there. Right. It? Yeah. Right. Great point. Well, if you just tune in, Terry Hurt and Stanton Brown. When we come back, actually, I, we're really going to dive into some of the women's objectives for every opportunity that we're looking for on a planning side. That's Terry Hurt and Stanton Brown. When we come back, women's objectives of what they need and the, how do they face a challenge. So get your pen and your pad. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. If you have financial questions that you would like answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking about those emails. We do have several of those that have come in. The problem is some of them we're having to go back to the person that is individually and talk to them specifically about that email. And uh, one, that was the debate we were having. We had a, a tax debate on long-term care. And when Stan comes up in a few minutes, we're going to dive into long-term care Pull that onion back slowly and give you information about long-term care insurance that you need to know because, believe it or not, tons of questions about that. And we're just going to go through that with no problem answering questions and, and giving you some insight into be lo- what you need to be looking for. But before we get that there, I really want to give Terry Hurt, who you've been listening to when she's talking about the power of the purse. And it has to do with how do you dive in with the mindset of working with clients where you got both the husband and the wife, and she is definitely the person who seems to really have some insight into what the plan's all about, and she has to keep that person engaged, and it's not always as easy to do that, is it, Terry? No, it's not. Because the, sometimes, as we said earlier, you might have that testosterone person sitting in the room that thinks maybe it's his deal and he should be in charge. And, hey, guys, listen to me real carefully. Uh, I learned a long time ago when my wife and I would take off and go to our planning session in January, and I've talked about that multiple times on the program, this was a time we would go and spend time together thinking about what we wanted to do. And I know that it was most of the time thinking about what she wanted to do because it was usually around the household. 
it was easy for me to develop the five-year plan or the 25-year plan, but anything that we were doing in the next three years, I had to have our input. I never knew. I, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to. We've talked about the pink poster bed, and I know I got calls about my pink poster bed and how I lived with that for five years. It was great, guys. I Don't laugh. It was fun. Fun to know that I could come in and see this little pink deal over the top. And, you know, it was easy when she comes in and says, we're going to buy a real bed. Great. That was no problem. You know, pink poster bed, not good. Great big old wooden bed. That looked good. Hey, it was easy to convince me that was a good thing. But what you're talking about, planning is a couple's event. And right. that's what, what are the challenges that women face? Well, the, the challenges uh, for women is to really figure out and distinguish between the wants and the needs. So women have always been focused more on the needs of the family, what we need to do with the budget versus what they want. Mm. And so trying to get women to focus on what they want their retirement to look like, what they want their next vacation to be. Most women really haven't given that much thought because they're in the throes of just raising a family. Well, so let's talk about that. If you say, "Boy, I really get that." What do they want? Some of the from challenges. What do you see are their objectives? I mean, things that they you say not just objectives, the objections, not objectives, the objections that they struggle with that that kind of push, pushes them into a corner. Well, what pushes them into a corner first is that they believe they can't afford to save. So they're, they're working with a day-to-day budget. budget, and it's gone. And so they're saying, we don't, we don't have any extra money. Well, we can't point. really afford to save. Or better yet, we don't have that much money that we can put towards this saving or towards this financial goal. Therefore, we're just going to wait. Uh, so when they start waiting, then you know that puts them behind. They wait for retirement. They wait for college education. They may even wait for that all that real cornerstone of every financial plan, the life insurance that they need in case something does happen to that breadwinner, if it's the husband in this case. If it's joint, we need to make sure everybody understands. If you've got a family that's got $100,000 of income as a family unit, and half of that's coming from him and half of that's coming from her, it is absolutely a necessity that both of them own life insurance. And that can't be an objection, because you all of a sudden try to handle the family on half the income, you got a problem. Well, I think often the mistake with respect to life insurance, and that's a good point, is most people will insure only the breadwinner. But for that breadwinner to get to work, if something happens to the oh, wife prematurely, what? trust me, with four children, if my husband had to go to the Jay office would have had every day, hmm. he would have had to pay somebody a lot of money to be on call 24-7. I actually had a client that his wife passed away as a young couple. They had young kids. Fortunately, we had insured her because that was always been in a financial plan. You always talked about you have to take care of that side because it takes the breadwinner and changes his career. And in this particular case, this guy was a physician and, you know, he understood the fact that that with he actually had three small children at the time. And when she passed away, it was not I mean, it was hard because we not only went through a couple of good people. Everybody says mom will take care of it. Mom is doing good sometimes to just handle herself. We needed to have the professional, whether it was a nanny or or a caregiver that we were able to vet well enough, but it was not cheap. And it it would have completely changed his medical career for all the time, energy, and money that they as a family had put in that if it hadn't been that way. And, you know, and by the way, this guy is still single, never remarried. And uh, he said he'd never find another lady like that, and he quit looking. And I, I admire him for that, and if he's listening, he knows who I'm talking to. But the reality is you're exactly right. The understanding 
of the insurance on need on that particular other person. Right. You know, I talk about that you said one point in this conversation before we go to our break is financial decisions, financial, not you know, the terms, the service, the whole, what we talk about sounds difficult and complex. Help me get across to the listener in closing how not to make that happen. You do a great job at it. You keep it simple. You talk to both of them. But how do they need to couch that in their own minds, the communication, the transparency, so that she doesn't feel that it's too complex and too tough? I think one of the keys is really on the financial planning side is to find an advisor or somebody that you can really build a trusting relationship with where you don't feel intimidated when you come in, that you can ask any question that you choose to ask. And, and get the information and be treated with dignity and respect. Dignity and respect. That's Terry Hurt. That's her motto. She knows how to do that. She knows how to couch that. She knows how to put that together for the couple as they're sitting down. We all ultimately know that in most cases we're going to be dealing with the female as the client later on in life. So you need to have that respect. You need to have that confidence with your planner. Terry Hurt, 757-5757. Give her a call. Just give her a chance to sit down with you and just guide you through some of these things that are so difficult. When we come back, Stanton Brown's going to peel the onion on long-term care insurance. A lot of questions about long-term care insurance. First off is, what is long-term care? That's going to be our number one subject when we come back right after this. And Rebecca Brazier. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we're talking with Stanton Brown now. This is the second half of the program. It is a part where we got a lot of questions about long-term care, and so we pulled in a guy who knows that subject extremely well. So let's start, Stanton. By the way, first of all, you've already kind of been participating with Terry and I, but welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. You know, Stanton, one of the biggest questions people ask, because long-term care kind of gets a definition. You you throw out long-term care and people go, well, I think... I think it's it's and so really define it for us. Give us kind of the basis here. What is long term care? Right, right. So long term care is that range of services that supports you when you need more so just personal care needs around those activities of daily livings. That's things like bathing, dressing, eating, toileting, transferring. Some things that you really don't think about a lot, but when you, it's very important just getting around the house. Okay, I'm depressed. <laughs> yeah, my my wife would probably tell you this morning. I bet about three of those this morning. So, you know, well, hopefully, guess, not there yet. Oh, hey, I guess I've got to go get my long term care policy out. Of. But but you're really saying, you know, there is time. You don't have to be ninety, right, to have right. this problem. So many people say, well, it's an old problem. I hate to tell you, my mom spent the last couple of years of her life in a in a long term facility. And I made it kind of a kind of a student of it, I guess you might say, and spent quite a bit of time with the people that were managing it and, and the nurses and the caregivers and also just walking them down the halls. It's not just old people. No, no. And actually, it's right about the age 65, 70 percent of people will need long term care at some point in their lives. Seventy percent. Seven out of ten. Line up seven people, ten yep. people out in the parking exactly, lot out here, exactly. and I can point to seven. Boy, that's a that's a statistic. Terry, do you talk about that when you're working with those couples? Is that an issue that they have to deal with? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, because they, they have to come to grips that she may be the caregiver again. Now it's at a different time. 
And, in her, and let's just use Jay. As a, yeah, Jay, definitely, no question about that. And so the four daughters will definitely be a kid. Now, there's a point. Daughters are better mo- women, make sometimes better caregivers. They learned how when they had children than the guys do. Yes, you see that a lot. You see that a lot. And then women just in general are living longer. So. Right. Yeah, so that's that. So 70% age the older you are, the more likely you're going to need it. That's what you were talking about earlier. Right, so, right. And women outlive. So we kind of have to get that set up. Give me those things again. You said bathing, eating, dressing, countenance, continence, toiletry, and transferring. So, But it's it's those things that you don't have to be 90 years old or 85 to do that. You can have a car accident. You can have a stroke. You can have all kinds of issues that go on in medical today. A hundred years ago, you died from it. Today, we're able to keep people alive, but that doesn't mean they're functioning and they meet those requirements that long-term care could play a very integral part. Right, right. And a good way I like to remember it, I have my own little acronym, D-E-B-T and T-C. So dressing, eating, bathing, toileting for the D-E-B-T, that's debt. And then transferring consonants to TC. So if you haven't really thought about or anticipated that you may have to deal with two of these at some point in your life, when that time comes, you're going to be dealing with either debt or tough choices. Well, that's a great way of putting it. And debt creates people paying for long-term care out of your pocket. It's very expensive. Yeah. Do you have an average cost in Memphis? What's it normally cost in Memphis? So actually in Tennessee, the Tennessee? average cost for a nursing home, a private room in a nursing home, is about 55000 to seventy three thousand annually. Wow. Okay, that's a that was a big ticket, and so all of a sudden you start saying, "What's the average length of time a person might uh, in in this situation live in a long term care nursing facility?" Right, right. So you actually see women are about three point seven years, give or take, and then men are two about two and a half years in the nursing home, but. The the numbers are growing, and you actually see, I think it's about 20% of people over 65 today will probably be in a nursing home longer than five years. Five years. So we're looking at somewhere in that, and long-term care cost is going up. I mean, Yes, it is. A, now, I said it, and I probably should have been careful. People think of long-term care that I have to be in a facility, that I have to, you know, I have to go down to the nursing home. Not at be all. put in a nursing home and... And that's it. But you're saying not at all. Tell me what happens there. You can have a caregiver just coming into the house one or two days a week. Now, there is a fee for that, but it also could be a family member um, or it could just be somebody, again, just checking in on the house and or a nurse or a skilled person that matter as well. And you don't have to leave the home. So that's still going to be paid. That would still be paid. Okay. so people need to understand that long term care. And I know of people today that chosen don't let's not go to the long-term care facility first, the nursing home, as we call it. Uh, let's try our best to keep that person. My wife uh, is a is a dainty, she's strong as an ox. I shouldn't say that probably. That'll cost me when I get home. But she's strong. <laughs> you know, strong as a, oh, come on, Jerry, help me out. I should have said ox. That's not good. But uh, yeah, I've dug that hole. And she, she has a saying for me, step away from the, put the shovel down, step away from the hole. All right, I put the shovel down. All right. But what you're saying is most women would not pick up that 225-pound man, man. That's difficult. I don't care what you got going on. So you need that, and somebody can come in and help you do that. You can Somebody can work through some of those five things you mentioned earlier. And that's not a person. I mean, the, the, the patient doesn't need to be in the facility, but you need help. That's what you're talking about. Absolutely. And the nursing policy, the long-term care policy, would pay for that particular benefit at home. Yes, it will. 
So that's that's important for us. Uh, let's talk about then if we if we understand that the person doesn't have to be in a facility, who pays? Who pays for long term care? So that's when we get into you get the private funding and there is public funding. We we know of Medicare, Medicaid. Now both of those are, have very strict guidelines on when they'll pay. So Medicare is will only pay long term care services if it's for a skilled service or a rehab service. And then Medicaid is actually by you have to qualify for those benefits and the qualifications are determined by the state. Um, and is actually pretty strict as well to qualify for those uh, that care. Well, I was reading something from the Urban Institute that uh, a dual working couple in America today making a combined income of $95,000 that we're talking about that turned 65 years old, the beginning of the baby boomers, did this in 2015, is projected to receive about $422,000 in Medicare benefits over their lifetime. Now, that's just not long-term care insurance. That's just Medicare benefits. Right. That's a 2015 present value number. So that number will escalate. And it's three times larger, the 140000 that they paid into Medicare. So that's a good benefit. So you need to pay attention right. to your Medicare. And I know you do mm-hmm. counseling. We have a guy in the office that specializes in helping us go through that. Shannon Dyson, he's been on the program a mm-hmm. ton about what Medicare does and how to manage Medicare. If you just tuned in, that's a great point. You need to be able to know Stanton is available. Give him a call. He's got the team that backs him up. Well, Medicare can be such an important decision in how you go through the process of deciding how to, you know, what's the best thing I can do. Stanton Brown, 757-5757. Stanton Brown, just give him a call and let him help you through some of those technical, yet supposed to be simple questions <laughs> that Medicare, and it is technical. I get questions about it all the time. Right, right. How do people, you know, need to know that to do that? And some of the big ones are what it's important to know what will or will not be covered by Medicare. And is it taxable or not taxable? Exactly. What's going to, you know, if I receive this benefit, is it this or that? We got into that great discussion. So Medicare, Medicaid, there are some qualifications for Medicaid. Can you cover those for us? Yes. So actually in the state of Tennessee, to qualify for Medicaid, your monthly income has to be under $2,199. The total value of everything that you own has to be under $2,000. And that, that is excluding the primary residence. Um, but the other parts of that, there's a look-back period. So you And they go back five years that everything that you cannot sell or you cannot sell away anything that you own for less than the value for back in five years. So if I knew that I'm just losing it, Jim, I can't give you all my money a year before because they're going to find it. A lot of people don't know that. I mean, they, they, they think about that. So planning, if you've got a couple that's got that senior parents, those people right. out there, they, the parents have to be willing to say, I will give my money to my kids over a five-year period. And and they have to trust the kids. Now, you can do that with trust. We've had right. Max Bailey on the, on the call here on the, as a guest several times. We've talked about transferring it into a trust and setting up a trustee, and most of the time that's a kid. A lot of trust factor there, you know, you have to be willing to do that. I know we've done that multiple times where we just looked at the money and said, guys, you've got to have money here to take care of mom and dad regardless of what's going on, and nursing care can suck that up, and you won't have anything. So we do transfer the dollars into a trust, protect it, but it takes it out of the hands, out of the estate, removes it entirely from mom and dad, 
gives them an opportunity to use the better, you know, the Medicaid to if they do need that. It's only if they do. Right. So it's kind of working through the process of understanding the insurance from the government. They've earned the right. They they should be using it. But it's it's a planning process. And we see a lot of couples today that are in their eighties that they mm-hmm. just don't have that capital. You know, they have two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. That money's going quick if one of them goes into a nursing home mm-hmm. and leaves the other one there almost destitute. Very and, that's where, and so dad goes into the nursing home, takes the money out, it removes, it's gone. Mom lives to be 92. My mom lived to be 92. Uh, and uh, in our case, became a family issue. We had to mm-hmm. begin to really take care of mom for quite some time. Again, we were blessed. We could. How many families can't? You know, they've and, got the five kids, six kids, four kids, two. They're still trying to take. They're in that sandwich generation part. And here's mom and dad. Let me tell you what. That is a very, very tough decision. It is. And I see that a lot. So it, it's a question. Can my children, are they capable of taking care of me? Right. Are they even in the area to take care of me? They may be across the country, especially nowadays. I know a lot of people around my age that have parents that are getting around that Getting older, it's, I've already moved out to California. Right. Do I need to move back to Memphis? And a lot of kids have to do that. By the way, your mom's listening, and she said she wanted to know, on air, are you going to take care of her? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will, Mom. I will. I hope you're listening. <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, you would. You would definitely take care of your parents. You'd do a great job for them, too. Uh, but that is a big, that's a tough decision. That's uh, one of those issues that I think so many people struggle with right and, right uh, so our job is to help them go through that process again stanton brown seven five seven five seven five seven let's talk about the insurance how do you buy the insurance what kinds of insurance there's so many 20 years ago we saw a company rise up out of nowhere and all of a sudden start selling this insurance and it was a policy that you paid a monthly premium and it gave you a certain amount of benefit. That company doesn't even write the, this type of insurance anymore. You've seen multiple companies come in and leave this particular right. environment in the insurance side. So, I mean, and we've seen other companies that have come in and stayed, mm-hmm. but we've got so many different ways to do it. I know for a lot of people, this is the tough subject. They know they got to do it. But how do they go through the process of making the right choice? Absolutely. And you really need to take your time when it comes to deciding what type of policy do you want. Because you're right, the industry has changed a lot. So the insurance companies, they're changing their policies. The the policy you spoke of earlier, some of the premiums increase over time. Um, but now there's new things coming to where you can even buy it through, you can get it through life insurance and add an additional benefit to your life insurance policy so that you can use some of your death benefit to pay for these things of activities they live in. So if I've got my insurance policy, I use that yes. while I need the long-term care. And then I guess I guess you take that out of my death benefit when it goes to my beneficiary? Absolutely. And and if you don't use it all, then the remainder goes to your loved ones, just okay. how it's intended, like life insurance. I get to use it pre, pre-death. Yes. Great, great point. Another one, another type? Um, you can do it through some other products, um, some annuity products, more of a lump sum type of deal. So if you have non-qualified dollars that you can put towards a policy, again, you want to make sure you're doing the right thing because they a will A lot add, of different nuances to that. Yes, yeah. there is. There is. Um, but some of them will give you like a multiple to your lump sum that you put in to pay for those activities of daily living or, or nursing homes or different facilities um, that you need. So I guess what you're saying is I take say take fifty thousand dollars, just using the out as a okay. number. 
$50,000, put it into this annuity, $500,000, whatever you decide, right. you're making that decision. Right. And so at the point in time I need it, I can pull it. Right. For husband and wife, you have to have two policies. It's yes. not one. It can't do both. You have to have two different policies. But if I don't need it, you know, I don't go into a nursing home, that money do I get it back? Yes, it should be in the contract that you get the get your lump so sum back. So you got to look for that. I'm not going to get a lot of return on it. Small interest rates. Well, no, okay. If, but if the reality none at all. is, I don't use it. It's still my money. Exactly. Uh, see, it's a lot better. It's, it's better. And the important part is the planning beforehand, before the time comes that you have to make a decision. And asking you a lot of questions. That's uh, you know, Stan Brown, seven five seven five seven five seven. Understanding what. To ask. And uh, I mean, Shane, I know you do a great job. Terry, I know you both do a great job. Thank you for today. This has been a great program. Great information. The power of the purse. Understanding long term care insurance. Both of them know what they're talking about. 7575757. I want to thank John McCummins for being our producer and board operator today. Guest and content coordination. And she always does a great job. Francis Fortner, production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. And of course, the Mid South History Moment is Drew Johnson. And he writes it. And Rebecca Brazier, she reads it for us. We thank you so much for that. Next week, Bob Dahl, senior portfolio manager, chief equity strategist with New. Nuveen Asset Management, and Keith Quinn. We're going to dive into what's going to happen during August and the rest of the year. As always, I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker, Terry Hurt, and Stanton Brown are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, a securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.